0: Well, look, I think the real question is not when there is a Taiwan contingency, will there have any other countries uh, try to come to rescue us? But I think the real question is uh, how are we going to prevent a conflict or any conflict from happening? I think that is what we are trying to do
1: you're listening to the ussc briefing room a podcast from the united states study center at the university of sydney where we give you a seat at the table for a ussc briefing on the latest developments in u.s news and foreign policy we'll cover what you need to know and what's beneath the surface of the news welcome to another episode of the briefing Room. my name is jared Monshine. i'm the director of research here at the us study center and before we get started i want to acknowledge the Gadigal people of the Eora, Eora nation and pay my respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. So today we are honored to be joined by Representative Sue, who uh, is the Taiwanese representative to Australia based in Canberra. He, he arrived in Canberra four months ago and he uh, was kind enough to join us for an event at the U.S. Center where we discuss um, Taiwan's upcoming election. And it's uh, particularly uh, great that we get to have him with us because not only does he obviously know Taiwan, but he also has worked for a couple decades, more than a couple decades, in the United States and on the United States. I'm old enough. <laughs> <laughs> and so I wanted uh, to have a discussion with him today about um, not only the election um, and how it's being perceived in Taiwan but and outside of Taiwan, but also some of the broader issues on Taiwan. Um, but before we get started, I just want to confirm um, that uh, you have a stats or figure uh, f- to join to, to to share with us at the end of this is that all right? Uh, yes, I try my best. <laughs> <laughs> Great, sounds good. So before before we even get to questions about Taiwan, I I, I guess one thing that we should flag is um, I introduce you as the representative from Taiwan. Um, usually, the most senior government representative of, of from a foreign government is an ambassador. Um, how has Taiwan's unique status affected your work as a diplomat? Um, Do you, you know, just get invited to less parties in, in Canberra than than the ambassadors? Well,
0: uh, that is a very good question. That is also a fun part of being a Taiwanese foreign service officer, uh, because we, uh, in most cases, uh, in most cases, we do not have uh, this kind of a diplomat, a full diplomatic tie with many countries. For example, my previous post in uh, Washington or or in Boston, uh, well, the same status. Uh, We do not have the, uh, well, like a diplomatic passport. We don't use diplomatic visa to enter the border. However, I think that is, uh, uh, well, just a kind of like a formality. Actually, we are doing exactly the same thing. Any, uh, I mean, any diplomats around the world uh, are doing because uh, we work with the government officials. We work with the uh, uh, think tank. We work with the members of parliament. Uh, to promote uh, the awareness of the Taiwan issue. So uh, in Canberra, uh, well, I have no obstacles getting in touch with like a member of parliament. I also work with uh, uh, colleagues and counterparts in the, at the DFAT uh, to uh, convey our message. I also work with, uh, well, uh, other ambassadors uh, from different ha- embassies in Canberra. So, um, well, Without a lot, I, uh, well, invited to last parties in Canberra, maybe because uh, officially I'm not a member of Diplomatic Court. So uh, for those uh, official settings, I was, I'm not able to attend. However, I think overall, uh, I can uh, get my things done in Canberra.
1: Great. So in, again, less than, it's just been four months or so that you've been in Australia, but what's your perception of of how taiwan is uh perceived in australia what what do you what do you think your average Australian thinks of taiwan and do you think it maybe differs from the way that americans think about taiwan uh yes well i
0: think uh, of course uh australia and australia and united states is is two different countries are two different countries so uh well you have different political systems, you have a different culture, you have a different, uh, well, uh, composition of uh, population among others. So, uh, I cannot apply what I learned in the United States here in Australia, hundred percent, but I think, uh, well, fortunately enough, uh, I think Australia and Taiwan are like-minded countries. So we share a, a lot of uh, value together, and that is also something that we can uh, well uh, base on uh, to uh, develop a, a, a well meaningful or significant uh, partnership so uh, I think overall speaking Australians uh, perception about Taiwan is a trading partners but I think in the past few years we saw Australian Government is more uh, likely to play uh, a proactive role in the uh, Indo-Pacific region, and Taiwan is a, a important stakeholder in this region. So uh, that or to interact with Taiwan will make a lot of sense for Australia. So I think that maybe uh, it's a question of this bottle is half empty or half full. Uh, if you see there is are rooms, uh, for the bilateral relations to develop. Of course you can uh, work on that. So I am very optimistic about this bi- uh, bilateral partnership and I hope that we can see some development in the future.
1: One, one argument that I find um, some people make, especially in, in the academic world, is um, talking about uh, in strategic competition is something is between China and the U S and all the other nations don't really matter that much. And I think in my view, that sort of removes the agency from not only major powers like India, Japan, et cetera, but also from independent democratic countries like Taiwan. Um, do you feel like Taiwan is, is it's agency and its views are overlooked? Um, or do you, do you feel like it's, um, or treated like a pawn in strategic competition in the way people talk about it? Uh, no, I, I think that uh, maybe
0: we have to admit that we are all in this together because we live in the same worlds. And uh, yes, indeed, we. I've heard that people uh, perceive Taiwan as a pawn uh, of uh, U.S.-China relations, but I, as a uh, well, foreign service officer of Taiwan uh, who has been in dealing, uh, well, with the United States for, uh, more than two decades. I can confidently say that, uh, it is a wrong perceptions. I think that, uh, over the years, uh, United States understand that Taiwan is a, uh, uh, well, uh, important partners. So they are willing to work with Taiwan, uh, on Taiwan's own merit. So uh, that was the reason that in the past few years, you saw there are new initiatives being brought up. Uh, it's not just based on the strategic competition things, but I think they saw the value of Taiwan being a partner of the United States. So they are willing to work with Taiwan on the education, science, and technology collaboration, trade related, Coast Guard uh, cooperation to increase the uh, capability of uh, HADRs, among others. I think those are the issues that, uh, well, because. United States understand that Taiwan is an important partner.
1: You you touched on this, but I think whether it be Japan or India, or Korea, there seems to be, in in my view, Canberra has more um, uh, interest and support for deepening its relationships with U.S. friends, allies, and partners around the region. Um, do you think? Do you do you see or do you feel like there's an increased appetite for engagement um, in Canberra with? With um, Taiwan, well, uh, just like you say, I've been in this position for four
0: months, and I think the live in Canberra was really interesting. And I, I can very constantly uh, say to you that I'm I feel that I'm only welcomed in Canberra. Uh, in the past four months, I've already met with uh, like a more than sixty uh, members of parliament. I talk with uh, my counterpart at the administration frequently. I engage with uh, uh, well ambassadors and other senior colleagues in uh, other embassies and talk about the uh, uh, the issues, regional issues. So I think that uh, well, I I don't think uh, Canberra has less appetite to engage with Taiwan. But I think that uh, because Australia have its own one China policies, and uh, uh, but of course it is not just like uh, treating. Uh, Taiwan the same level as Australia treating other allies or
1: uh, well regional partners. Yeah, I don't as a as a diplomat and as someone who's talked talk to you and realize you're an, an impressive one. I don't need you to comment on Tony's politics, but it still would be great to get your um, your thoughts on the election of what you do or we are willing to share with us. Do you think you know if? The leading um, candidate from the DPP party, which would be a continuation of uh, the current uh, government, Uh, the the leader's term limited right now, and so they're looking at uh, uh, another DPP candidate to succeed. Or do you think that if DPP loses, that somehow that's a sea change in Taiwan's policies? Do you or you know some might say that um, what Taiwan saw with Hong Kong and the way that that Xi Jinping treated it has has changed. Um, Taiwan's thinking on its alignment with with Beijing. Um, wh- yeah, wh- wh- where do you see the the outcome of the election having an impact?
0: Well, I think that uh, this going to be our eighth uh, direct presidential election uh, that we're going to have next January. I think that uh, Taiwan's democracy is resilient enough to face uh, all kind of challenges, and also I think along the way, Taiwanese voters also uh, well, majority of Taiwanese voters. We share the same, view. we want to have a, uh, peace, uh, or a peaceful and, uh, stable Taiwan and prosperous Taiwan as well. So I think uh, the voters hope is the same. Uh, so no matter who become our next president, I think that our policy will still, uh, remain the same, especially on the foreign policy. I've been in this, uh, foreign service for, uh, more than 20 years and, uh, I think that uh, uh, well, along the way, through different uh, administration uh, in Taiwan, I think, for example, our relation with United States, we basically work on uh, well increase Taiwan's participation in the international organization, or get rid of the uh, restriction that's been set uh, for interacting with Ta- uh, United States uh, officials, or uh, signing a uh, free trade agreement with the United States, and more. Uh, like a a security commitment from the United States. Those are the basic things that never changed throughout the uh, different administrations. So basically uh, the hope of Taiwanese voters about Taiwanese future is the same. And the policies we conduct the foreign uh, affairs are the same along the way.
1: Great. Talking about things that are the same or maybe different, um, the Trans-Pacific Partnership has taken quite a journey um, and is now the uh, comprehensive and progressive Trans-Pacific Partnership, and it now also does not include the U.S. But Taiwan has expressed some interest in joining it, and Taiwan also, at least in my view, um, has a really interesting bilateral negotiation going on with the U.S. right now on on, on trade. And in, in my view, I think they might actually provide some sort of model for, for others in the region in terms of getting the U.S. to, to engage in the region on trade more than they have elsewhere. What is the messaging that Canberra is giving you about um, Taiwan joining CPTPP? Because I think uh, you need consensus; you need all of the members to agree to let you in. Um, where where is Taiwan on that? They they have expressed interest. Is that right?
0: Well, I think that as I said, uh, well, Taiwan is an important trading partners of uh, Australia. So, uh, well. Definitely, Australia is the uh, country that we uh, uh, turn to when we uh, officially submit our uh, TP, uh, CPTPP uh, application. Uh, so uh, the message we got from Australia government is always the same uh, at this moment because uh, apparently uh, all the uh, CPTPP members just conclude the uh, first round of uh, accessions uh, review and welcome UK becoming the next uh, CPTPP members. And they haven't uh, had have the consensus about how, when to start the second round of uh, 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 reviewing of those uh, applicants. So I think that uh, Australian government hasn't uh, speak out loud about their attitude uh, of welcoming not only Taiwan, but all the uh, second round CBTPP, uh applicants. Uh, so I think that is... Basically, the message I got uh, from uh, my counterparts in uh, with regard to the CPTPP.
1: Yeah, I think uh, CPTPP and TPP. Just there's a lot of uh, frustration um, at the lack of uh, clear clarity, (laughs) a lack of clarity moving forward for for everyone, including the United States. Um, One thing I want to ask you about is is you're spending so much time in the US. We've polled the U.S. and Australia for a number of years. We've also, in recent years, started polling the Japanese um, public as well about a number of things. One thing that I'd love to ask and that has been really um, enlightening for me is we ask folks about um, their level of concern about the way things are, are working in the U.S. We ask folks um, whether they are very concerned Uh, a little concerned not at all concerned or or don't know um, in terms of the way that democracy in the U.S. is working congress's ability to do its job the president's ability to do their job potential political violence and it's remarkable that Americans actually lead uh, by significant margin both Americans Australians and Japanese response in terms of their level of concern about American democracy and, and so forth but you know basically half or two thirds of Americans are concerned about a number of these things. Whereas Japanese respondents are, they're usually in terms of very concerned, they're usually between 10 and, and 20%. It's like a third, if not less in terms of those very concerned. And you know, our, our, our CEO, Mike Green says the Japanese understand that the Americans are just weird. And <laughs> I, I'd love your take on that. Do you, do you, with your experience in, in the U S um, do you find that, um, the the Taiwanese just understand US politics and have and just and have a have a different view of it than maybe Americans do of themselves. What is the Taiwanese uh, view of the the as I like to say the soap opera with endless episodes that is American politics?
0: Well I think that uh what Taiwanese people always uh uh are interested in these uh US related issues and we follow US politics. Uh, closely, but maybe not close enough. But of course, if you're asking me, I'm following U.S. politics for two decades, well, more than two decades. So uh, I have different take than like in general public in, uh, in Taiwan. Uh, I personally think that uh, this kind of a dynamics uh, in uh, domestic politics in in the United States basically is the way to show that democracy, even though it's not a perfect system is a resilient system. Sometimes you may be chaotic uh-huh. uh, looking from outside, but actually have some rules to follow. And uh, I recall that when I first uh, uh, was posted to uh, uh, Washington DC, uh, that was in the early 2000. And uh, well, at that time, uh, the first year I was there, I I, I have the, oh, for, I, I was fortunate enough to, uh, witness this day, hanging chat episode. Oh, wow. You're really <laughs> dating yourself. <laughs> Presidential election. And then we have 50 50 uh, Congress, uh, Senate. Yeah. So uh, I think at that time, people worry about okay, how can it be? I mean, for this day, uh, democracy in the United States, would it be sustainable? But I think 20 years past, I think when we look back for those uh, episodes, even though it's an endless <laughs> soft opera, but I think when we look back for those episodes, we see that maybe we learn something from that. And of course, sometimes we, if we don't pay too much attention, we just forgot those lessons we learned. So I think the same thing or same principle applies to Taiwan's democracy. I think that, uh, of course, uh, everyone watching uh, Taiwan's presidential election closing nowadays, but... I think along the ways, we, Taiwanese people, ourselves also learn something from our uh, practice of democracies. And we understand that uh, in an election like this, which is an important election, we have to be responsible uh, for our, to, to cast our vote and let our voice be heard. And no matter what the election outcome would be, we respect the outcome of the majority people's choice, and we go from there.
1: So that is the lesson we learned. So. Yeah. Do you think um, the Taiwanese are more worried about a second Trump term or a second Biden term?
0: (laughs) Well, I think that uh, Taiwanese people, honestly, we don't worry too much about uh, the developments of the U.S. politics. Uh, To be very honest with you, because there is a uh, U.S. uh, domestic legislation, uh, it's called Taiwan Relations Act. It was passed and uh, become a public law of the United States back in 1979. Uh, so uh, the
1: bilateral... I'll, I'll just add that the current president of the United States is one of the few guys who was exactly. actually there when it was exactly signed.
0: <laughs> He casted the votes uh, and voted for uh, Taiwan Relations Act back in the 79s. So uh, uh, definitely it is the cornerstone of that of this unofficial relations between Taiwan and United States and along the way 40 some years passed but i think this bilateral relations even though it is unofficial but become more and more solid and uh, have been like uh, evolving to a different level i there are something that i being a foreign service officer uh maybe i can hardly imagine that what happens 20 years ago and there are happening today
1: so uh in I terms th- of u s politics
0: in terms of the u s taiwan relations yeah for example the uh uh the restrictions of the that restriction that's been put between the uh uh taiwanese uh, foreign service officer uh, we were not allowed to enter the state Department building for business in the past but this time of restriction <laughs> has been uh, well loosened lifted so now oh, i think uh those restrictions uh no longer exist
1: where would you meet if uh, you couldn't meet at the stage a uh, coffee
0: shop yeah i was gonna say <laughs> literally a starbucks yeah it's uh it's not necessarily a starbucks <laughs> but it's a coffee shop uh around Your better the, taste than uh, starbucks <laughs> <laughs> no comment on that <laughs> but anyway uh but along the way uh when we have some conversation at the coffee shop both of us uh, both of our side and our American friends found that it is inappropriate to discuss that kind of issue in a coffee shop. So we start to review uh, what would be the most reasonable ways to conduct those business. So
1: Great. Now, one thing that a lot of people um, do think about when they talk about Taiwan is a hypothetical Chinese invasion of Taiwan. And we at the US Trade Center have been polling on this, uh, uh, US, Australia and Japan for a couple years now. And one thing that I found really interesting about our poll this year is that um, support among Japanese respondents for sending military forces to defend Taiwan if it were invaded by China declined nine percentage points from last year. Um, And while 60% of Australians agree with economically, economically isolating China in such a contingency, Only 46% of Australians uh, are are willing to or or eager or agree to send forces to help the U.S. defend Taiwan. Are you you worried about um, less than half of Australians being uh, in favor of sending uh, troops to help defend Taiwan and that decline in um, Japanese respondents about sending uh, military forces? Look, I think the real
0: question is not when there is a Taiwan contingency whether well, there have any other countries, uh, try to come to rescue us. But I think the real question is, uh, how are we going to prevent a conflict or any conflict from happening? I think that is what we are trying to do. So that is also, uh, made by my president very clearly in her uh, most recent, uh, national days address. Uh, she said that peace is the only option. So nobody wants to see the conflict. And, uh, so. Uh no matter the, what the pulling result is, I think we are doing what we need to do in Taiwan to increase our asymmetric uh, capability, to defend ourselves, to make uh, Taiwan a uh, more resilient place when we have any challenges. So uh, uh, I think the question is not about how many countries are going to come to help Taiwan, but... How are we gonna prevent the conflict from happening? I think uh, from what many countries has been doing including the United States, Australia, uh, in those uh, interaction with Chinese leaders, I think Australian's uh, prime minister as well as a, uh, uh, President Biden, among other uh, global leaders, make it clear that the peace and stability in Taiwan Strait is their uh, major concern and they also oppose uh, the unilateral change of the status quo in Taiwan's trade. So I think those kind of messages is really important at this moment. That is also the message that can prevent uh, the war from happening because when Beijing tries to take any action, they're probably going to think twice uh, what's going to be the cost
1: for that. Excellent. So we've reached the point of the episode where um, you share with us a stats or figure um, for us. Do you, do you have one or more available? Okay, I would
0: like to uh, make it more uh, significant one and make sure my message conveyed to the audience. So, uh, so there are several figures. First is half. Taiwan is only the half the size of uh, Tasmania. So Taiwan is not a big country. However, Taiwan is the fifth largest trading partner of Australia, which means that we have a substantial uh, well, trade relations. And there are 25 direct flights in between Taiwan and Australia every week. So, uh, and it's only take about eight hours. So Taiwan is more, uh, is closer than you can imagine to Australian people. So uh, with those kind of relations, I think Australia Need to take Taiwan uh, more seriously and uh, make Taiwan uh, be more relevant in their policy, in their uh, everyday, uh, well, like a well conversation.
1: Excellence. Well, that will close up the break room. Thank you so much. Thank you. But as we wrap up, I'd like to point out a couple of other podcasts that may be of interest. We have. The CEO, Mike Green, he's co-host of the Asia Chess World podcast with Jude White Shep, the Freeman Chair for China Studies at the Center for Strategic and International Studies. I'd also recommend checking out the UCC Live podcast series that runs recordings from our major live events. You can find these on our brand new website, uscc.edu.au or wherever you get your podcasts.